Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with BD Dalton. He is part of Rockvine and also owns Bart Dalton Consulting. BD, thanks for being on the show. How are you? Doing great, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Really looking forward to having a chat. I know it was a uh, we had we have much of a time difference. <laughs> yeah, from definitely. The US, U.S. to the U.K. Um, but you are you. It was interesting that in our first kind of discovery, our green room kind of thing, is that you are from your fellow Hoosier. You're yep. you're from Indiana too. I was so, born, and, born in Indiana, born born in Shelbyville, Indiana, where my granddad was the town doctor of Shelbyville, Indiana. He and Doctor Towers, Doctor Dalton, was one of two main GPs in Shelbyville, Indiana. Small freaking world. I'm from Kokomo, so about an hour north, and I know Shelby uh, from Indianapolis, and you're about, you know, 30 minutes to about 40 minutes, you know, southeast of yes. Indianapolis. So, I mean, we're we're definitely, um, you're definitely um, impressive in the sense of, you know, when um, Brian Wish introduced us, and just with everything you've done, and it was kind of, you know, I kind of read your, your biography on your website of how you, you culminated, but if you want to kind of give a synopsis of, in your own words, um, you know, from an auditory, you know, we can transcribe this and do everything, but, you know, why, you know, why create, you know, Bart Dalton Consulting? Well, that, the, the, the funny thing is that's probably a, a stupid thing for me to have done because I always talk to people in, in, in the books and everything else that I do about building something that you can sell, and you can't sell something with your name on it. Which is so you never never build never build Bart Dalton Consulting. So it was just one of those where um, I think it's I just wanted to help people sell their business. I just wanted to help people make more money, have a better life, and get out of um, what what they did, and then be able to actually live the life that they wanted to with what they sold. So I know you deal with a financial advisor, which is my my roots are financial advice, right? But the, the fun part for me is not the investment part. It's how did people get there? What's the journey? How did they how did they make it all happen? That's the better story. Having a wadge of cash at the end of the day to put into mutual funds, pensions, IRAs, whatever you have, that's that's the end of the road. How did you get there is the more fun part of that 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 journey. And that's why Bardolm Consulting um, then turned into Rockfine because we had more people more more associates that wanted to come on board and it just doesn't sound cool if i was to go and say i've got i've got sean consulting or bd consulting they didn't want to do that they wanted to say how can i help people the same way that bd does in the same ethos in the same way forward but not under bd's name so Rockfine was created but everything that we do stems back to temple row which is my wealth management business because i was an edward jones broker for 17 years um, in the States and in the UK, which is the, the roots of everything that I do, which is all individual people's savings and money. Everything goes back to that. That's cool. I like that. You know, you're, you're adding a, and I think the first kind of chat we had was that you, you add a personalized approach, but you've written different books and you talk about um, how to help more people with books. I think that's kind of big. The big thing is not it's not a get you know rich thing. It's not it's how to help more people essentially, and you know I've kind of read into some things that you've you've done, and you're talking about you know how to build a brilliant network without selling. So how do you do that? How do you build a brilliant network without selling? The first thing, and this kind of goes back to 
my, my granddad is the doctor or my dad is the other financial advisor is you have to have something that people want. You have to have something that people value for me. And my, my granddad was health. My dad's was wealth. It's just, you have to have something that people will come to you. So you have to have a vocation. You know, you're amazing at podcasting and, and making that happen for people. So people need to come to you to talk to you about communications and spreading their word and their gospel. Um, you have to have a vocation. So then once you have a vocation, you become, you know, your Simon Sinek's why, your, you know, anybody else that you have to have that thing that sits at your heart. It's not just your soul, but it's how you can make people's lives better. Once you have that, then you can go out from there to start to create stories with people. So in True Gravity, my thing was in 2009, Edward Jones left the UK because of the global financial crisis, left us here, not, not in a high and dry sort of way, but we chose to stay here. Um, I went out into the ether and, and started to say, look, I'd helped people build businesses, build wealth, build retirement plans, all these different things, found people's jobs, found their kids' jobs, all this stuff. And I came out and said, my, my company's just left me. I have to set up on my own. But the old company that they sold to is trying to sue me um, because I'm trying to live my livelihood and I didn't want to work for them. Um, can somebody help me? And there was crickets. Just like, no, because we're in the global financial crisis, everybody was worried about themselves, in which is definite human nature. Um, I had... I, I would just silence. So how, what did I do wrong in my network? Was it me? Was it what I'd done? So I just built this, my, my ground to where we are now is those stories, building up stories with friends and true gravity is all about just literally talking to people, creating a story together and going out and finding people. So you and I met through Brian Wish, Brian Wish and I do a lot of things where we, we talk. And so I've got collaborations with people that I've introduced to Brian or he to me. So we have a story around telling stories. So that, that's one little universe for me, one little set of people that now goes out to a wider network. And that's, that's what I would say. When people are looking at their, you have to measure it. You have to be um, kind of, you, you really have to be focused on the return from that and not just money, but what, what somebody else is taking from you because everything is a give and take. And if you give way too much, business isn't a charity. So if you don't have enough to give to people because you've given everything else out, some of the people that really deserve your time, your energy, your focus, you're not going to have enough left to give to the people that really deserve it. So True Gravity was all about how do you measure that without being a real jerk? How do you measure it without just being a money-grabbing so-and-so? And so in True Gravity, I just set the, the whole thing up. as How do I make a mathematical situation or a system that says, I no problem, Sean. We're going to exchange this here, Brian. We're going to exchange this. I'm not expecting you to give anything back, exactly, but I expect you to whatever I give you to give to the universe, and then it will come back to me. So, but you still have to be able to measure that because I can't just keep giving and giving to you and Brian and Barnard and all these different people. At some point in time, you still have to pay your bills. You still have to pay your mortgage. You still have to feel good about yourself and the return that you get emotionally and financially. So. That was what the first book was all about was I felt like a loser because I'd given so much away and nobody saw what I had given away and they didn't give me anything back. And I said, was it me? Did I screw it up? Did, you know, what happened? So that was my catharsis of here's this book. This was me <laughs> spilling my guts to say, it's okay to go to BNI. It's okay to network. It's okay to give stuff away. But at some point in time, you have to measure that and bring it back in. Not selfish. You have to be selfish. 
in in a in a non money grabbing sort of way. You hit upon something that I've kind of run into the last few weeks is um, especially kind of being in marketing and that kind of stuff. You you tend to give a lot more away um, in the sense to attract people. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a mindset in the sense that if you have this almost self love of what you truly are passionate about and you love yourself in the sense of you don't need to um, give away things to, you know, to, to please people. I just had someone the other day um, was rooting me on for a, a new position, you know, hopefully that I get with the company. And then they, you know, came back and they said, Hey, can you read this like dissertation for me? And I, I replied back. I said, Hey, I've got other things that I it's, I've got going on. You know, I've got, you know, other deadlines and other things like that. And just replying back to them saying that I might not be able to get to this, you know, and it was one of those things that I think people highly respect when you say no more in such a a nicer way, instead of saying, well, I'm just here to get your money. No, it's not that. It's that I have other focuses and I just can't, you know, run 18 hours a day and do that constantly. Like that, that is just not healthy. You need to have that recovery time. And so that's interesting to me when you kind of mentioned that is that I think the more that people you say no to people, I think the more that they respect you um, because you're saying this is my focus. This is because they're just going to ask and ask and they're not doing it in, in a mean way. They're just saying, you know, they're, they're inquisitive. They just want to know more information. Yes. And so, so the next question I have, and, and this is, you know, kind of culminating a lot of this stuff because you've kind of, in, you've, you've, you hinted on this is, what is your business model and how do you attract? And I think more importantly, how do you retain customers? Cause I think now these days we've, we've, we've learned that it takes much more time to attract customers versus retain customers. And so kind of want to know your, you know, your perspective on how have you built your business model and how have you adapted this, you know, during, you know, certain times and, you know, how, and how do you, how do you, help customers? How do you, you know, attract and retain them? So very first thing is you have to build your cash flow on the stuff that you can sell easily, quick and readily. So you have to have, so that's why we always have the the wealth management sat there because I know that business inside and out. So you have to have something that you can hang your hat on when everything goes astray, when everything goes lockdown, when everything goes whatever. So business model is first, make sure you can pay your bills. Second thing is once you've done that, you start to, it, it, you could do it the other way, but it's, it's really challenging is then you build your ideal client off the back of that. And your ideal client's going to raise every time to get to the next echelon. If you can start at the ultimate echelon where you only need three clients and they're billion dollar clients, amen, but good luck. You know, that's a, it's, 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 it doesn't happen. You know, no matter, you know, 20, 20 year overnight success, almost everybody, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, every, everybody. Um, so you move yourself up, but the quicker you can make those echelon jumps. So if you have a normal person that if you look at, and I'm a big fan of client lifetime value. So if you can move yourself to how how many years and how many things and how many items this person is going to buy from you in the lifetime that they're with you, um, you move yourself up that echelon quickly. So you get your numbers right. You have to know your numbers, which then allows you to focus your market 
and don't try to be everybody's market to everything special be a specialist you know be that business business podcast for medical providers financial advisors what and we can help you do all those things don't try to be every podcaster to everybody no it's that that those things the more you can niche your market down quickly the quicker your growth plan happens so get the numbers right at the beginning get your paycheck so that you feel like you have abundance and then set your ideal client and i think that exercise that you need to go through that, that i do and i try to get anybody that we work with to go through is it's your it's either you know however macabre you want to be it's either your retirement date or your funeral who are the five clients that are standing there giving you their toast and what are they saying so are these are the top five manufacturing companies in the world and the ceos are standing there saying sean was this amazing person that took our cod podcast to wherever or is it these five people from my town that changed the world and changed the lives of everybody around them. So who are the people that are making those toasts and build your marketing plan around them? That is, that's very um, inspiring. Actually, that helps me out a lot with a few things kind of narrowing down because I mean, I've talked about customer experience on a few occasions and I feel like that's going to be, it's the precipice of, I think, moving businesses forward because a lot of the stuff is we kind of do a pendable swift or shift of going all the way to technology and then going all the way to customers versus, you know, if we stay in the middle and keep it, you know, keep it a focal point down the middle, that customer experience is a combination of that human, that human aspect and technology combining together. How do you automate and make things process, you know, make things better and asking customers, you know, throughout that journey how to help them. And so what you've kind of, I mean, narrowed in is that you've already seen the, um, the strategical focal point, the futuristic view of things of like, what would your top five clients tell you? Like if you were gone or if you retired and it's, it's amazing, you know, that's kind of, um, a culmination of a, a lot of great, you know, a great future aspect to have. It's not so much the money, it's about how you impacted people and if they're actually going to show up, <laughs> um, when you pass away. Um, so BD, enough about, um, you know, questions and that kind of stuff, too. I kind of want to open the floor for you for almost like an offline background. In the sense, it could be online, offline, whatever. But it's, a, it's an open story of if you want to talk about a story that kind of comes to mind, a pivotal moment, something of inspiration, something you kind of, um, you know, hinted on in the, in the customer experience journey of how you've helped customers, of, you know, opening their opening their eyes and in their minds and their hearts to kind of see, you know, what the possibilities are and how that kind of changed their lives. So the, the two turning points for me, first one personal, um, 2010. So just came out of 2009, which I told you about, we, we moved in now. So Edward Jones moved home. We're now having to set up on our own and our own financial advice in a, in a country away from my family and all this stuff. My parents came over and, um, they were here in the February. And so I had just left Edward Jones. My dad still works for Edward Jones, still a great company, just didn't work out for us over here. Um, and my, my secretary, my long-term, what would have been nine, eight year secretary um, over here, who is kind of my best friend because I work with her every day and she's fabulous, was dying of cancer. My dad got E. coli over here in his spine so weird, weird thing. 
So my dad is sick in a hospital in the UK away from that. Luckily, he was with us. Um, then my secretary's dying in the, so my dad's upstairs in floor two, my secretary's in floor one, she's dying, he could die, you know, whatever, he's away, my mom's over here freaking out, I'm freaking out, I've got my old company suing us, don't know where I'm going to get, they, they said that, and they kept for a year, they kept all of our wages, they kept all of my money that I was supposed to be earning, they kept it all, and I had no legal recourse, you know, so they had to pay it at the end, but for a year, I had no paycheck when I actually earned over $100,000. They had it all in their bank account and didn't have to give it to us for legal reasons. Um, so I had no money. Dad's dying. My, my secretary, my best friend's dying, and I don't know what I'm going to do next. And it's like, that was my foundational, holy crap, moment of it has to get better from here. How can I make it better from here? I don't have any savings now because I'm having to spend it all the time. You know, it's just, I don't have any company to go to. I've always been a company man and this stuff. So it was, how do I make my story right to move it forward? My dad, who's my rock, is alive. He survived it all and everything else, amen. But um, it was that time in our life is, it has to get better from here. What can I do to make it better from here? How can I put more foundations in place for myself and my family to make it so that if this happened to me, like it happened to my dad, I do that forward. And also how can I make the world better now that Debbie's gone? Cause she died on March 19th that year. My dad was still in the hospital. Um, so it was just one of that, that for me was, the human element of everything that we do was happening at that point in time. So it doesn't matter all the money you make, whatever you do, you can't spend money when you're dead. So how do you make your life better and the world better from that point forward? That was my, that was my personal turning point um, story. If that's, if that, if that kind of sets a foundation for what we do. I, I absolutely love that. It's, it's, how to describe it. It's um, le leaving a legacy. That's what I kind of, you know, I had the same experience losing my mom a couple of years ago and it was, you know, you know, I'll be gone. Like, so I'm going to be off, you know, at, you know, off this earth, whatever. I'm like, okay, you know, here's the instructions of, you know, what's going on. Here's the instructions of the will. Yeah. I'm only about 31, 32, but people are like, why are you, you know, signing something or why do you have life insurance? Why do you have all this kind of stuff? And I'm like, to make sure that other people are taken care of. Like, yeah. I'll be gone. Like, who cares about me? I'll be, I'll, <laughs> I mean, you know, more so, I mean, it, but the thing is, it's amazing how grief kind of comes in and changes your life because grief is on the flip of the coin. It's the other side is love. And I, I really, you know, appreciate you, BD, kind of talking about that and, and talking about your, your pivotal moment because I think everybody has that in some way is that they have some sort of loss or some sort of, um, trauma in a sense where it really affects you and it really you know brings you to a core of like what's actually important in life and so kind of moving into um which is a perfect segue into the into the last section of this uh, of this episode is about you you know you you've hinted on you've, uh, you've formally stated you know why do you do what you do for work but can you kind of um hints on um or even just explain you know what's kind of the first thing that pops in your head in the morning you know when 
you know, you're going into the office or, you know, with COVID these days, you know, you're helping clients, you know, via, you know, Zoom or other, you know, conferencing, you know, what, what's the first thing that pops into your head? How, how can I help change the lives of more people that if I said, are you with me? And they said, hell yeah. How can I help them? Because if I can help them, they're going to be successful, which means I'm successful. You know, so it's and not, I'm not because I'm going to help them be monetarily successful in whatever way, whether it's financial advice, selling their business, selling more stuff in their business as a person so they can get more time with their kid. They're going to be hell yeah. So they're willing to give me a little bit of money off of their hell yeah to say thanks for the help. That's 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 what gets. So how can I how can I make more people say hell yeah? I. I... I love that. That's another thing I'd love to, because I was just talking to someone in a networking group and um, he was mentioning there's a guy that, you know, ran a billion dollar business. And the guy, his first question to him was during a lunch because he was able to sit down with him. He was like, you know, how, how did you become successful? And he says, the first thing I became successful is, is who did you help today? He asked him straight out, who did you help today? That was it. Because he, he learned very early on in his career. Um, who'd you help? And so I appreciate that because that, that shows, you know, it's not about money. It's about who you're helping by the, at the end of the day. And so, you know, kind of reversing it here with, you know, who you're helping, how do you help yourself? Like what helps you kind of recharge? What are some hobby and health things that you kind of do to make sure that you're, you're taking care of yourself in order to take care of others? So I, I hit the big five Oh this year. I will um, in a couple months. And so I always like to be healthy, but this, this year I've set out and I've done, um, done 95 days of yoga now. So I use, I use the, I use an app, I use down dog. Um, and one of those where, okay, I just set it out. Um, I've got, we play water polo. So I coached my kids playing water. Both my kids play water polo. My, my son's now kind of the good thing about being in a small country is that, um, Max is one of the kind of on an international team here, which means he gets to travel. Um, so, you know, where I probably wouldn't have had that in, in the U S um, I do stuff with the family. I love, I love a bit of travel. We go into Spain a lot of, we've lived in Spain. Uh, so we go there. I love travel. I love being in a spot where I don't have to think about anything and I don't have to be um, anybody but myself, you know, I don't have to be the businessman. I don't have to be a guru. I don't have to be a guide or a gladiator. I can just be me. That's, that's a cool thing. Um, I write a lot. I podcast a lot as in throw information out into the universe. I figure somebody's going to pick up something. If I can make change their life and that makes me happy. So, um, and I've, and I've just recently gotten the, VR headset. So I, because we do a lot with the gaming sector, sometimes just unplugging by not having to think about anything, but what's happening in the VR headset is, is fun, but I love family. I love friends. This lockdown, I'm a, I'm an extrovert. So zoom has been amazing for me because I can run all sorts of fun stuff and get energy back off of people. Um, but if I wouldn't have had this, I would have had a hard time throughout this, the, whatever just happened to us. So that's me. You know, culminating all of that, thanks, BD. I mean, I, I really appreciate you talking about, you know, 
how you've, you know, changed your career and even, you know, answering the questions of, you know, how you about your business model, how you do things. It's very customer experience, very customer centric focus, but you know, your turning point in 2010, I, I really appreciate you sharing that story because I feel like that's going to connect with a lot of people in some way, you know, they can turn something that has truly, you know, affected them um, into like a positive experience and a positive motivation that, you know, you know, death is, you know, is not the ending. It's, you know, it could be the beginning of things of, to honor people's legacies and honor people's memories. And just talking about, you know, how you, you want to help people. I think that's just kind of the biggest testament of your, your success as well as um, how do you surround people and how do you help your family and your friends? And, you know, I'm an extrovert too. So I love zoom and I love these uh, video conferencing um, things and shout out to Squadcast too for uh, helping out with, um, you know, this video conferencing too, um, as well as this po remote podcasting thing. Cause I couldn't do what I do without it. So, you know, BD, thanks for being on this episode. No problem. Thanks, Sean. It was, it was great to be here and great to, to talk to the audience or have them listen to us because it's, fun to help people so call myself the lazy overachiever so if i can help anybody do anything nobody wants to do 25 press-ups when they can only have to do five nobody wants to have to to read 50 books when they can only read two pages you know so that's any way you can work with people like sean or brian wish or anybody else to gain some information that you can use in your life to help other people use it thanks bd and to all the converged coffee drinkers out there that's a wrap.